Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Breda Pest Management, the official pest control of UGA Athletics. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. So yesterday we started a conversation on this show that we said was going to take us more than a couple of days to probably finish. It was that important of a topic. And all of this kind of begins with something that ESPN wrote the other day about UGA, asking what I think is a pretty provocative question and not a rhetorical question. In other words, not the kind of question that doesn't deserve to be answered. This is the kind of question that should be answered out loud. In fact, for those of us who care about Georgia football, for those of us who are excited about what Georgia might do in 2022 as a follow-up to having won the national championship in 2021, the answer to this question is going to go a long way towards determining how likely that is, how probable that is. It's the kind of thing that's really fun to talk about this time of year so let me begin today the way that i began yesterday with looking at what a pair of writers uh alex scarborough and chris lowe had said about georgia in an evaluation of the bulldogs now at the conclusion of spring practice i'll put this on the screen i'll read it to you and that'll lead us into the uh, discussion here this the espn writers on georgia saying who are the emerging stars on this next Georgia defense? He says there, the writers say there are plenty of candidates, and it helps to have a player as talented as defensive tackle Jalen Carter returning. But there are gaps to fill for the defending champs on defense, which should make for a competitive preseason camp. Once again, that's Chris Lowe, Alex Scarborough writing for ESPN. So what we said yesterday was that ESPN probably gets a lot right in that particular statement. After all, Jalen Carter should be, if you follow college football closely, a household name. To Georgia fans, he obviously is. To those outside the bubble of dog nation around the country, that should be true there as well. Carter is, I believe, the best player on this Georgia team coming back for 2022 and among the very best players in the country. So if you're a plugged-in college football fan who follows the sport well, you live in L.A. or Chicago or Dallas or some you know big city a decent ways from here, if you truly follow the sport, if you consider yourself to be a student of college football, football by now you better know who Jalen Carter is he was very good last year one of the best in the country for this upcoming season that's the kind of guy that begins the year already a little bit of a household name for UGA commonly projected as a first round pick he'll show up in preseason first team all SEC list which is essentially also a little bit of a mock draft in and of itself all American consideration possibly even Heisman consideration if things go the right way for him Carter begins the year in those kinds of discussions but who else Who else can have a chance to match that? After all, as has been well documented, Georgia had five first-round picks depart from its 2021 defense. And so what we said was is that I think you can make some educated assumptions on the Georgia defense based on recent track record of the program. And while we may have some mystery and intrigue about who the breakout guys are going to be, the likelihood is based on a track record for Georgia defensive success that actually well predates 2021 based on that track record of success that you can make some assumptions that Georgia's going to have other guys emerging. You remember yesterday we said in baseball, sometimes you call this looking at the back of the baseball card. That's the spot where the stat lines show up, what the player did last year, the year before that, the year before that. And if a player's in a slump or if a, bat, you know, a guy's just not doing well in any particular moment, especially at the beginning of a season, eventually 
the the best bet is that player is going to gravitate into the direction of what the baseball card says that he's done in previous years we think the same thing's kind of true for georgia football georgia may have been greatest defense of all time last year but it's always under kirby smart set a pretty high standard for defensive excellence the assumption is this defense here in 2022 should fall somewhere in that category there as well so consider jalen carter a a sure thing a given well what else well we talked about the linebacker spot yesterday we looked at all the guys that glenn schumann has had as 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 interior linebackers drafted to the nfl not just roquan smith a a very high first round pick in the 2018 draft and not just the three linebackers that he had selected in this most recent nfl draft channing tendall and quay walker and uh nicobe dean also had a guy like monty rice to discussion like that you also had a, uh, a guy like tay crowder into a discussion like that and so what we said was well if you've got that many players and just since the 2018 draft alone if you've got that many players who've been drafted from the inside linebacker spot into the nfl from georgia the assumption is for a group that includes a jamon dumas johnson and a smile mondon coming back from a springtime injury that kept him off the 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 practice field guys like tresman marshall uh incoming freshmen like jalen walker uh, you want to start talking about Xavier Sorry, the assumption is that from that group that I just mentioned, Georgia has likely got at least one or two future NFL players from that group. And so, if you're a Georgia fan who gets a little anxious when ESPN says who are the emerging stars on defense, you can look right there, as we said yesterday, at that inside linebacker spot and say. Well, there are at least a couple. Now, maybe it's this guy, maybe it's that guy. And if we were sitting down over lunch or, you know, having a beer or hanging out at a tailgate, I might say one guy, you might say another. And maybe one of us be right, maybe one of us be wrong. But the safest bet is it's at least somebody. We may not know the name, but the number of potential possibilities suggest at least one or two breakout guys kind of coming from that group. You can just kind of make that assumption. So that's what we said about inside linebacker yesterday, looking at the group of players who play that position today i want to do something slightly different i want to look at one name in particular that i think deserves to be kind of mentioned in a category by himself because i think this is a very fascinating returning player for georgia this season i'm talking about robert beal and i mentioned before having lunch or you know hanging out at a tailgate with some of your friends I think it's still quite possible. And ironically, you see him there if you're watching on video going through senior day festivities. You know, senior day is a little bit of a weird thing now in kind of the post-pandemic world because we never quite know who's coming back and who's not. But uh, but Beal, who's traveled a pretty interesting path at Georgia, as I said before, for those of you watching on video, went through senior day at Georgia this past year after having, by the way, put his name in the transfer portal, uh, you know, not too long before that, year two before that, deciding to stay at UGA. So he's traveled an interesting path at Georgia. He's a 2017 signee. Boy, doesn't that feel like a long time ago right now go back and look at photos of us from 2017 haven't we changed a lot since then that's a long time in the life of college football uh but Beal coming back to Georgia for the 2022 season and a lot of you know this but I think that if you want to you know kind of impress a casual fan if you want to maybe surprise someone who's been busy and hasn't fully paid attention ask them who the returning sack leader from Georgia was a year ago not just the returning sack leader ask them who had the most sacks in the Georgia team last season the one that won the national championship ask him ask him who that was some folks will know it was Robert Beal others may be surprised I, I told you uh, a couple of times over the course of the last few months 
that I don't quite know in the season that I quite realized how statistically successful Beal had been. I think it kind of snuck up on me a little bit when I was kind of looking at all that in retrospect and you realize, oh, yeah, when Adam Anderson left this team, all of a sudden at that point in time, man, Beal really stepped up, especially in the postseason, sacking the you know Orange Bowl, sacking the national championship game, had a lot of sacks down the stretch, had a sack you know, on the road at Tennessee. This is a guy when Georgia needed that pass rush guy to step up last year, really stepped up in a big way, ended up leading this team with uh, six and a half sacks. And when you look at the players in like Kirby Smart era here who've had that many sacks or more, first of all, there aren't very many guys who've had more, but when you look at the guys who've had around that number, these are all pretty big time players like you'll go back and think about an Aziz Ojolari in the 2020 season he had more than that and you know went on to to uh you know big season in the NFL and uh you know a touted draft pick that's the kind of category right now that Robert Beal kind of finds himself in at least in terms of the overall sack number before that you're talking about DeAndre Walker who was also himself a NFL draft pick and you know kind of put a you know kind of a similar number he had more sacks than um than uh than than Beal did but but that's the kind of impact from a statistical standpoint that Beal could have go back and think about what DeAndre Walker did for this team after the 2018 season Beal last year believe it or not had exactly the same number of sacks as Roquan Smith did in 2017 now listen I'm not telling you that Robert Beal is going to be a Roquan Smith level player for Georgia here this year because you know uh Roquan obviously did so much in addition to sacking the quarterback but still, from a statistical category of who's had six and a half sacks or more in an individual season for Georgia, that's the kind of list that Beal is on right now with uh, guys like Roquan Smith, who put a similar total together there in uh, 2017. So the statistical impact that Beal had a year ago coming back for this upcoming season, it is not a small one for Georgia. And it really kind of takes us to a place that we've been before when talking about this Georgia defense. I said this this morning. I made uh, I make an appearance every week with my friends at uh, 960 The Ref. That's the radio station in Athens that our show airs on. And I go on the morning show uh, every Wednesday as well just to kind of chat with uh, David uh, Johnson and Logan Booker. We always have a good time doing that. And the point that I made when I was on the radio with them this morning was that for me, for the Georgia defense, the biggest issue is not how do you replace the talent. That's what ESPN asked in the quote I read you a moment ago and we talked about yesterday there as well. The biggest issue for me is not how you replace the talent, because whether you're judging by recruiting rankings or just looking with your own eyes at the players as they warm up during practice or before a game, whatever else, it's obvious that talent still exists at UGA. The biggest issue for me is replicating the mindset that Georgia played with last season. It wasn't just talented players in the field. It was talented players turned loose to do what they do best. That Georgia actually last year, and you've heard me talk about this before, became a much more aggressive team defensively, getting after quarterbacks. The number I'd been begging for for such a long time was, can this team exceed 40 sacks? Can this team put that kind of sack total together? Well, last year, for the first time in the smart era, they did that. It wasn't just talented players. It wasn't just future NFL draft picks. It was future NFL draft picks given a chance to do what they do best, which is wreak havoc against opposing offenses. And so if Georgia wants to be as good defensively this year as it was last year, it's not just who is the talent, who are the talented guys. Those talented guys exist. It's how do you turn them loose? How does a tandem of Will Muschamp and Glenn and Schumann working as defensive coordinators, how do they re replicate the pass rushing intensity that I'd say Dan Lanning made the hallmark of his defenses in both 2020 and 2021? Because look at recent national champions. Look at the playoff era here for a moment. 
there's only been one national champion in the playoff era, which dates back to 2014. There's only been one national champion that had fewer than 40 sacks. That was LSU in 2019. They also scored a million points. But even that LSU team still had 37. And that LSU team was still in the top 20 nationally in terms of sacking the quarterbacks. That if you're looking for a real bellwether stat, if you're looking for a stat that really gives you an indication of a team that is in contention for all the rich prizes this sport will you know, bestow upon you at the end of a year, sacking the quarterback is still a really good one to look at. Georgia broke through defensively in a way last year they had never had before because of how well they got to the quarterback with an ensemble cast of pass rushers. I think it's a good news. The guy who actually had the most sacks off that team a year ago is coming back here this year because it's not just about replacing talent. It's also about replicating the mindset, the mindset that says we want to get after the quarterback. We want to be aggressive. Robert Beal, when he was thrown into an expanded role last season in kind of an emergency situation because Adam Anderson left this team because of unforeseen circumstances, Robert Beal really answered the challenge. It could be he's in line for that or a whole lot more for this upcoming season. Don't forget this. When he, you want to go back a million years ago when he first signed with Georgia, this is like a top 100 recruit. This is a four-star prospect. This is a guy who had a lot of recruiting attention on him at the time. And he's kind of bided his time. He sort of waited for his moment. Some of that came last year. More of that could come this year. So when ESPN says, who are the emerging stars for Georgia defensively? Let's put Robert Beal on that list as a guy who I think is a, is a, is a, is a pretty safe bet there in that category. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. We are presented by Breda Pest Management, and we are happy to have you with us today. No matter how you get to us live on video, we start at 945 for our first and 15, dognation.com and the Dog Nation app. 10 a.m. after that on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch. Of course, the radio at noon on Athens Sports Radio 963F, a podcast wherever you find them, Apple, Spotify, the Google Player, we post the show at dognation.com. A lot of different ways for you to connect with us on the podcast there as well. We really appreciate you doing that. We also appreciate our friends at Breda Pest Management for making it all possible. Because, listen, Breda right now is stepping up for you to do something that we all need. We all need more money in our pocket. Or we need to slow down the rate with which the money's leaving our pocket because things right now are more expensive than they've ever been before. And that's where Breda Pest Management steps to the plate. You know you uh, you know want to save money. So when you switch your termite protection, your pest control services, when you switch to Breda Pest Management right now, you're going to save money instantly. That's the opportunity that you get when you make the switch to Breda Pest Management. Now, you also get the service that comes from a company that's been doing it here in the Atlanta area and across the Georgia since 1975. It's got 100 plus people out there working for you. You get all the resources they provide. You get to leverage the same strength that has made Breda Pest Management the official pest control provider of UGA Athletics. Uh, the same you know company that's taking care of Sanford Stadium is going to take care of your home there as well. That's all great and that feels really good. But the thing that feels the best right now is to know that you get all that service, you get all that protection for less. That is a uh, what they're going to do for you, that annual increase that's coming from these other companies where you, all of a sudden you get this thing in the mail that your price of your pest control service is going up. Listen, if you've been hearing that from your pest control provider, it's time to make the switch. It's time to put more money back in your pocket with my friends at Breda Pest Management. I truly do consider Matt and that whole team over there to be our friends because I know what they are doing for so many of the folks in our audience. I know they can do that for you there as well. So save money instantly by making the switch to Breda Pest Management. Here they are online. It's BredaPest.com. Let me spell it for you. B-R-E-D-A. 
BredaPest.com. Switch to them for your pest control uh, providing provisions. (laughs) I told you, some of these verb tenses kind of get me. Switch to BredaPest management, and you can save money instantly. BredaPest.com for more on that. All right, we're going to talk to Mike Griffith here in a moment. And one of the things we're going to talk about with Mike, I kind of want to lead into here with around the doghouse just for a moment because a guy that mike is friends with had said something pretty interesting about a player that i also know that mike uh has some uh, interest in there too and that's kenny mcintosh so around the doghouse here for a moment good stuff from jim nagy who runs the senior bowl in mobile that's like the big all-star game where you know prospective nfl draft prospects go to kind of show their nfl worth and nagy is expecting big year from a guy who could be at the senior bowl you know later on this year that is kenny mcintosh i want to read to you what uh nagy says about uh mcintosh the idea that he can have a breakout season we're talking a little bit this week about breakout guys on defense breakout star conversation just kind of fun this time of year uh so we're doing that kind of on the defensive side but nagy looking at uh kenny mcintosh on the offensive side of the ball let me show you jim on twitter on this topic he says one running back for the 2023 nfl draft that the senior bowl expects to have a breakout year is george's kenny mcintosh only 130 career carries hard to wrap runner with subtle make you miss and a knack for slipping pursued he says he also catches it naturally and uh can pass protect uh there as well so that sounds like an NFL combination to me. A guy that knows how to step up and protect the quarterback. That matters at a place like Georgia. A guy that, as uh, uh, Jim Nagy also says there, has shown some elusiveness with running the football and, of course, is a competent pass catcher there, too. There's a little bit about McIntosh that's uh, almost a comp for what James Cook has provided Georgia in recent years and what he could be providing the Buffalo Bills moving forward as a part of that really fun, I think, exciting offense. I think that 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 cook in buffalo is actually one of the more interesting draft stories from uh the uga guys from this past draft but interesting to hear nagy say those kinds of things about uh kennedy mcintosh and in the way in which nagy describes mcintosh there it actually kind of reminds me of something that kirby smart talked about the other day about kind of how they view running backs in georgia obviously it's a program that has been known as rbu for a long time running back university but maybe the way in which Georgia's trying to cultivate success for its running backs maybe changed a little bit it's no longer three yards in the cloud of dust it's no longer student body left and student body right now to be the kind of running back that's on the radar for the nfl as the draft scout jim nagy says there you gotta be able to do more than just tote the rock and kirby smart seems fully in acknowledgement of that based on something that he said the other day this is georgia coach kirby smart on what georgia wants to do with its running backs in college football you become a weapon by how you receive the ball out of the backfield they want to grow at that they want to be able to um showcase their talents catching the ball out of the backfield so the nfl ask about can you catch the ball out of the backfield can you be a third down back well we, we like to grow nfl backs here so to do that you got to use them in the passing game so I think that's really interesting to hear Smart, who a lot of folks think of as a very like hard scrabble, sort of old school guy who does like to run the football and likes likes to do those kinds of things, say with our running backs, we also want to make them weapons in the passing game. I think you'd say that Todd Munkin's proven himself to be pretty creative with all that. Some of that's because he's had talented backs they can throw to, but some of that's just because that's what Munkin wants to do. And I would say that Kenny McIntosh is also 
you know, kind of set up for that there too. And it all kind of leads to me to like what my kind of big goal for Georgia has been offensively for the upcoming season. You know, can you find a way to get to about 42 points per game? Can you take what has been dramatic offensive improvement in each of the first two years under Todd Monken? And you can, can you find a way to have another stair step of improvement for the upcoming season there as well? Can you get to about 42 per game? And I think that running back position is one of those places where, where, you know, you could really have a chance to have a value add there in that situation, not just by how you throw to those backs, but also by how you lean on that running game and find a way to kind of return some of the production on the ground to something similar to what it was in 2017 and 2018 when this team was leading the SEC in rushing. Now, I don't know that Georgia will ever quite replicate the the style that it played with in 2017, because back then Georgia ran the ball a whole lot more and threw the ball a whole lot less than it does now. But the 2018 performance is actually not such a far cry away from that that Georgia actually didn't run it way less this past season than it did in 2018 despite the fact that it threw it you know a good bit more that you know kind of getting back to what you know Elijah Holyfield and DeAndre Swift once had for this team a couple of years ago when it was second in the SEC and scoring that particular season you want to go back to 2018 that it wouldn't be hard to kind of get back to that now can you imagine what it would look like if Georgia is kind of back to being near the top of the SEC and running the football while also unlocking the passing attack that Todd Munkins helped bring to Georgia. That's an offense that could be pretty hard to stop. And it's an offense that would definitely be fun to watch. And I guess I agree with the senior bowl uh, director, Jim Nagy there, that when I imagine that kind of offense for Georgia, I do sort of think of Kenny McIntosh being right in the middle of that discussion all season long. So that is around the doghouse here on dog nation daily presented by Breda pest management. And as I said before, there's a guy that you know, I think has kind of been following the story pretty closely. I know he knows Jim Nagy. Well, we'll talk to him about that and a lot more. Let's get our good friend, Mike Griffith here on dog nation daily presented by Breda pest management today. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. Say hello to Mike Griffith here on a Dog Nation Daily, Breda Pass Management. Mike, let me bring you in the discussion I was just having because I know that Jim Nagy from the Senior Bowl is a friend of yours. and I know that Kenny McIntosh is a player in this Georgia roster that you've got some respect for. And uh, I'm thinking, based on what you've said in the past, that you're also expecting a good season for him coming up. So... Let's talk about that for a moment. Uh, Nagy saying that he thinks that uh, that uh, McIntosh in line for what he calls a breakout year mentions the elusiveness when carrying a football, but also kind of mentions the ability to catch the football, which Smart himself has said they're trying to cultivate in running backs and everything else there, too. So give me your thoughts on Kenny McIntosh for the upcoming season and the role that he could fill here in this Georgia offense. Yeah, Brandon, I, you know, I do think a lot of Kenny, you know, we, we talk about how all these different backs. They have different attributes, and, and Kenny's your classic cutback guy. He's, he's got elite vision. We've seen the breakaway speed. Uh, obviously, a really good pass catcher, and, and looks like the kind of guy that's really molded for the NFL. Um, you know, maybe a little bit bigger version of James Cook, uh, but a guy that I think will do quite well. To Jim's point, you know, the way Georgia does it, they do like to rotate back. So, uh, a breakout season at Georgia could be seven or eight hundred yards, right? Because you've got Kendall Milton back there, and you know, and I thought Dejan also looked really good um, this spring. So, uh, but I, I expect Kenny to be the starter. I think he's going to be in that role. Uh, he's the senior. And to your point, you know, he's a guy Dog Nation knows well. Uh, we, we went and visited him be, before he arrived on campus and, and went to his workouts and a, a really nice family. So uh, I, I think Kenny McIntosh is a good player. 
I think he has a chance to have a great season, and I think he'll be drafted into the NFL. I think he'll probably be at the Senior Bowl as well. So what I've been kind of saying, Mike, is is that if you look at uh, Georgia in 2020, that's the first year of Todd Munkin, way more offensive production that year in comparison to 2019. Then look at 2021, obviously the year they won the national championship, you're talking about way more offensive production than Georgia had in Munkin's first year of 2020. And so now you think, well, coming back for year three, you know, what could be in store for this Georgia offense? And the number that I've kind of been kind of calling for is, can you find a way to average 42 points per game? Can you find a way to take that another stair step towards success there on that? And I really believe that if you do, the running backs have to be a big part of that discussion. Now, I agree with you that, hey, this may be a little bit different kind of component to the to the running back room than we're used to seeing at Georgia instead of being like the tandem the way that it used to be or kind of like the quartet the way it was last year. Maybe there's kind of a big three that includes obviously McIntosh and Milton, but I do agree that Dejon Edwards is kind of making a push for for more playing time than just a third string you know backup might get. That He might be more in that category with Milton and McIntosh than maybe some folks thought he initially uh, would be. But either way, whatever running backs you kind of think of as, as your top group, you know, kind of finding a way to kind of, without reducing the pass productivity you've had under Todd Munkin, kind of return some of the running back productivity to what it was in like, say, 2018, when Georgia actually didn't have all that many more carries for a season than it than it uh, did here in 2021. That's actually not that far off of a comp, but it's a team that led the SEC in rushing, this team that, you know, had running backs averaging more than six yards per carry. It was a dominant rushing attack. You know, if Georgia can add just a little bit of that into what else that all, Todd Munkin's also proven to do so well, all of a sudden that's an offense, I believe, in 2021, even more potent, or I should say in 2022, that's even more potent than the uh, one that led Georgia to a national championship last season. Yeah, I mean, it certainly could be. It just depends on how these defenses play them. You know, the, the thing that Munkin does, um, you know, maybe more than, than some of the other offenses we've seen in the past is, you know, he, he's going to take what you give him. It's going to be that read at the line of scrimmage. Um, you know, they, they have a lot of really good run audibles. That's something a little unique. We think of quarterbacks audible in BA and we think about passes, but in Todd Munkin's offense, he can, there's different runs they can audible to that, that give those linemen leverage up front and lead to a lot of the success that you see. Uh, but certainly Stetson will have a lot of command at the line of scrimmage in terms of not just setting protections and run audibles, but more experienced receivers to work with. And I guess if you're a defense, it's kind of a pick-your-poison thing. Um, you know, do, do you load up to stop the run and, and give Georgia those opportunities for those one-on-one opportunities downfield with guys like A.D. Mitchell and, and Brock Bowers and, and Lad McConkey? Um, do, do you try to play a little bit softer maybe? Um, try not to give up the big plays and make Stetson and, and the dogs nickel and dime you with those throws to the tight ends underneath and the backs out of the backfield. And, and every week it's going to be a little bit different. Um, Georgia has a pretty good idea where they want to exploit other teams and what matchups they're looking for. But ultimately, it's the defense that's going to decide where the ball goes by how they choose to play Georgia. Well, it's one of the reasons why I think this offense is so much better under Munkin than it was before he got here in 2019 this was just not a offense that was capable of putting defenses in conflict. You know, you had first-round offensive tackles, you had a really good running back, but you also had a very predictable level of play calling where opposing defenses just knew that George was going to run the football. And even with a really good rushing attack, 
You're just only going to get so much when the uh, opposing defense just know what's coming. Georgia only averaged about 21 points per game in SEC play going back to 2019. And yet that's why I think if you want to compare that to what you know Georgia did this past season, it's the ability to put teams in conflict where you really were forced to guess from time to time. You kind of knew that Brock Bowers is going to be involved, but yet, you know, when it mattered, you know, teams like Michigan and Alabama late in the season, they still couldn't stop it because, you know, Georgia was just really good at, at uh, you know, putting defenses in conflicts. So that's kind of one of the things that I think Georgia has kind of going for it now. And I have to admit, I am really curious to see if they can build on that going into 2022. Yeah, it's too bad we didn't get to see Jake Fromm in this offense. Such a good decision maker and accurate thrower. And 2019, to your point, we, you know, I, I, I'm not going to use the circus term that I used once before, B.A., <laughs> but I will say that the receivers weren't the best group that Georgia's ever had that year. And it was very difficult to work with a young George Pickens and an injured receiving core. And it made it really hard to get any sort of consistency in the pass game. Uh, but to your point now, and I do think Todd Munkin is, is superior to James Coley, by the way, and Jim Chaney for that matter. I think Todd Munkin is, is really a, a secret to success. I, I think this, this should be a, a two million, two and a half million dollar a year coordinator. This guy is absolute magic. I think he's key to recruits. I think the Manning family likes him. I don't know what quarterback family wouldn't like him for that matter. And uh, to your point, this offense could be very explosive and exciting. And and uh, I think we all look forward to seeing that and seeing the big plays, whether it's you know Kenny McIntosh or Lad McConkey or Kendall Milton or Brock Bowers or Eric Gilbert or Ad Mitchell. Uh, you know, Karis Jackson will be a senior. Could He may be the a go-to once again. Um, you know, there's just so many p- possibilities. Darnell Washington elected to stay with the program. I think that was big. You mentioned Dejon Edwards. So we're, we're talking about future NFL names and, and an offensive line that I think, Brandon, will be better than last year's. I, I know that may surprise some because Jamari was, you know, such a wonderful leader. But, you know, Cedric Van Pran has really stepped up. Amarius Mims is back. Broderick Jones uh, – could be an improvement uh, in terms of the pass blocking. So all sorts of things to be excited about if you're a Bulldogs fan. Yeah, I agree with on the offensive line. I think that's one of the positions to watch for Georgia for sure. Let me talk about defense for a moment because we've done this for the last couple of days. ESPN the other day asking about, well, who are these emerging stars going to be for Georgia defensively? My, one thing I've said over and over again, I don't think that's an unfair question. Obviously, when you lose five first-round picks, you know, uh, <laughs> finding a way to replace some of that's not an easy thing to do. So what we're trying to do is – is we're trying to use the best, most educated guesses we can make to, to try to answer that question. We started yesterday with some inside linebacker stuff, basically saying that when you've had as many linebackers drafted as Georgia's had in 2018, the assumption is there are at least one or two future NFL players among the collection of inside linebackers that Georgia has. And we kind of focused on Robert Beal a little bit today that when a, a guy like that you know, kind of puts himself in a statistical category that few Georgia players have been under Kirby Smart, his return probably matters there as well. And assuming that he stays healthy, he's probably a part of that um, reloading project for Georgia there on defense. But I know you've kind of taken your crack at this from time to time there as well. What do you think of the task that awaits UGA in terms of replacing so many big guys defensively? Well, that's awesome. I mean, it's just a, it's an awesome reload. Um, you know, I, I use the word miraculous in the sense that, you know, to lose that many players and still come back and, and if, if Georgia can win the East, which I think they will, I, I just think you got to tip your cap. Um, no, nobody's had to do this before. I mean, nobody in the NFL, nobody in college has lost 15 NFL draft picks or, or five first-rounders. I mean, this will be the greatest reload in modern-era college football history. 
And, and I just think you got to give Kirby and the staff and Georgia credit and, and say, wow, that's amazing. And I use the word miraculous that, that you can, you know, I, I think what Nick Saban's done is miraculous to lose the talent and stay on top. I mean, just because it's unprecedented, right? When something's unprecedented, I, I choose to use that word. Um, I think you do a miraculous job with Dog Nation Daily. I don't know anybody else on any beat that has a daily show like Brandon Adams. I think it's miraculous that every day B.A. can bring it, seemingly no drop-off. Well, same with football. When coaches are able to do things that's unprecedented, that you don't see other places, and that's what this sets up for. And, and that's why I kind of try to remind Georgia fans, I'm not trying to temper expectations or, or dampen enthusiasm. I'm trying to say, hey, you really need to appreciate this. Because it just doesn't happen. It hasn't happened. And yet, watching that spring game and the way the first-team offense struggled, regardless of who was at quarterback, made me think, man, this defense, for being completely reloaded, and Robert Beal didn't play, and Tyke Smith didn't play, uh, I don't think Davian Sorry, you're missing three, and they didn't have any bus. We didn't see any guys running wide open. I know it was vanilla, but still, I didn't see any gross negligence on missed tackles. It, they look good. You, that defense looked good, and you had to kind of remind yourself, hey, that ain't the same guys we saw last year. That's last year's backups out there, most of them. And I thought they did a really good job against a pretty salty offense and an experienced quarterback and, and running back. So uh, I do think the defense will be all right. I, I'm a little nervous. I, I don't mind sharing. Uh, the Oregon game is scary. Dan, Dan Lanning has a catalog on this team. Now, BMAC knows Oregon personnel, but, but Lanning knows everything. He's been in all the meetings. He knows the offensive strategy. He knows that, you know, it, it just, it stinks that that's your opener. Just bad luck. I wish there was a way Georgia could buy out of it in that way. It just doesn't seem fair. Um, that game's a little nerve wracking. I don't know about South Carolina. I saw somebody predicted a South Carolina win. I think that's a bit much, Brandon. I think in 2018, I was hearing the Gamecocks doing that same sort of crowing. Um, maybe they'll give Georgia a run, but they're not going to beat Georgia. Uh, Georgia is going to be back in the SEC championship game, and it'll be really exciting to see how much this team's grown up by then. Yeah, so here's where you and I are just a little bit different. You know, you go back and think about the SEC East. Like, you know, Georgia is, if you want to go to, like, the betting house that have odds post on this, they're, like, minus 800 to win the uh, division. What that means is you'd have to risk $800 to win back 100 You can go to a bank and get – a certificate of deposit that almost pays better odds than that right now or better you know better rate of return than that right now and I kind of feel the same way about the Oregon game there as well like I get what you're saying but Mike I don't mind telling you that you know this is still a rookie head coach traveling 3,000 miles to face the defending national champion if the Oregon game is even close I'm going to say that's somewhat of a disaster for Georgia. I, and, you know, and, and, and I want to make sure I say that as clearly as I possibly can. Like, I don't think the Oregon game is going to even be close. If Georgia's challenged at all in the regular season, I'm expecting it to come in one of the true road games. You mentioned, mentioned South Carolina. Probably less for me that, and I did hear the same you know, dude predict the upset the other day. But to me, it's an at Mississippi State. It's an at Kentucky, maybe. Uh, those are the only two games in the entire schedule where I think that Georgia has a chance to be even a single-digit favorite. They may be eight, nine-point favorite at Starkville, at Lexington. But other than that, I mean, 
you know, I, I just don't think neutral side against Oregon when Oregon's traveling so far. We've seen Pac-12 teams in this spot before. They typically don't play very well. That's why they want to start playing more of these games in Las Vegas, play them in the Pacific time zone, give yourself a better chance to win. It's probably not a terrible strategy. And listen, I like Landing. I think eventually he'll be a pretty good coach. I think he's the one, though, that's in a, in a tough spot for the first game of the season, not Georgia. Yeah, well, I would agree. I don't think anybody wants to play Georgia uh, opening up, and certainly, uh, you know, Kirby will have some ideas of how the Ducks want to play defense as well. Just, uh, you know, maybe, but but it'll be interesting, right? I mean, Oregon, you know, I guess part of me in the back of my mind, I'm going, man, they went into Columbus, and Ohio State moved to kickoff at noon Eastern, That's so fair. it was a 9 a.m. Pacific. But, but to your point, this is a different Oregon team. Uh, Bo Nix is a little bit of a wild card. I know he's a guy Kirby's got a little bit of But to your point, Georgia should win. I just, you know, Mercedes-Benz Stadium hasn't exactly been the sort of home field advantage I would have expected without mentioning recent games. I just, I, I, it's an early game. You look around the room and a lot of the leaders are gone. Now there's plenty of time between now and then uh, for these leaders, these new young players that we're talking about to be leaders, Jamon Dumas Johnson, Jalen Carter, certainly Christopher Smith, one of the returning captains, Tyke Smith, uh, a veteran guy, you think Keely Ringo now entering year three already? My time has flown. Yeah, uh, there's time for these kids to grow up, but that's going to be the first time on the right the Australian punter. What are we going to get from him? Are we going to, you know, I don't even want to recall the Michigan Michigan State Australian punter moment. We we don't know. There, there's just so many unknowns. And to your point, they probably do line up in Georgia's favor. Certainly, the odds makers make you feel that way. The recruiting rankings tell you that. But there's a lot of kids in a position that they haven't been in before. And um, although I think the offense is, is going to be strong, um, you know, how, how much will we be asking of them? I will say this. In the most recent two meetings that Kirby's had with former coaches, just keep this in mind, the start has not been grand. Uh, in Jim Chaney's first game against Kirby, uh, Tennessee got off to a good start. Uh, Sam Pittman and the Hogs were pulling a fast when you were there, B.A. Sure. And you were probably just as stunned as anybody uh, at halftime when Arkansas led Georgia uh, before the dogs came storming back. So Stetson Bennett saved the day. Yeah. I, now I'm, I'm pick, again, I'm picking Georgia to win, just to be clear. But I just I just think it's it's tricky. It's, it's like one of those golf holes where you say, oh, if you hit it over there, you could get in trouble. Uh, I think there's a few spots where you could get in trouble with the Ducks if you don't play clean. Let me uh, finish with this. Um, you wrote about this the other day. Kirby Smart talked about this during a sort of a PR t- interview that he had done about trying to fight off complacency for right now. You know, I'm a Braves fan. They are in the, in the aftermath of their World Series win. <laughs> I'd say the hangover is lasting a little longer than most Braves fans would have probably liked. I do think it's different for college football because it is a lot of different players and they are kind of chomping the bit for their own legacy here. I, I assume that's the case, but I'll finish with this. How does Georgia fight off the maybe the, the natural tendency towards complacency after you had so much Success in one uh, in previous year. How does, how does Georgia fend that off? Competition, right? If your job's not safe, you don't have time to get complacent. You know, and in Kirby, uh, you know, there's there's positions that are there's some positions that are up for grabs, and you know, who knows? Maybe maybe all positions will be up for grabs. You know, you just you don't know how this is going to open up. But you know, to me, that's that's what keeps everybody. You, you know, I, people always I'll do these interviews. Oh well, how do they feel about you know Bama this or? Auburn, that or Tennessee. I thought, look, Georgia didn't worry about these teams. These kids got to fight for their own jobs. They got their own jump chart that they got to worry about. They're not, you know, Georgia isn't focused on, you know, Oregon or Alabama or any of these. It, nah. 
they need to worry about themselves. That's how it, that's how it works at Georgia with Kirby Smart. You know, when, what's important now? That acronym is legit. That's really how it is here. It's really a day to day thing in Athens. It, it's, it's shrunk down and that's simplified and that intense in this place, as we've said it, it ain't for everybody. It, it is, Georgia is, it, this is a tough place to make it. And Kirby designs it that way. And you got to fight, man. So as Lewis seen recently said, you know, the practices are harder than the games. So that's how you keep that razor sharp edge, the competition within the team, the hitting that's going to go on, the scrimmage action, the way these guys take it upon themselves to, to go out to that rec field and, and work out the, the, the workouts that Stetson calls with the receivers and the other quarterbacks, the, the time they invest on their own. That's what makes the difference, and and the level of dedication and commitment they make. Can they match what those dogs did last year? Uh, that's tough because that was a really special group. Um, but this group also knows their work is cut out for it. Mike, uh, really good stuff. Thanks for being here as always. I look forward to reading more from you at DogNation.com, of course, and uh, chatting with you here back on Dog Nation Daily again very soon there as well. So uh, have a great day, and we will look forward to talking to you soon. Thanks, BJ. Good stuff. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Uh, fun stuff there. Mike Griffith, a uh, lot to think about here this offseason. It's a good time. I, I think it's all really fun to be having these conversations. And one of our commenters said this on video before our regular show began today. Boy, how cool is it to be talking about reigning national champions, trying to figure out how you come back and do it all over again. And who knows how the season plays out. You know, some of the guys we expect to do great, sometimes they don't. And other guys that we don't may, maybe think of very much, some, sometimes they end up being even way better than we would ever imagine. So the season always has a way of surprising us, but I love being in this time of year and thinking about what could be. It's one of the things that keeps bringing us back to college football year after year after year. I want to talk some more college football with the cruiser on the SEC, but first, our friends at Royal Caribbean. Great time to be on the season of the Royal Caribbean. They are back uh, and having a great time. We were there ourselves in April. I was on a Royal Caribbean cruise in February, and I am can't uh, can't wait to be back on another one again here uh, very soon there as well. And my encouragement is for you to do the same thing and do it this summer. Uh, book them while you can or heading towards the fall or whatever else. Uh, just a great time to be enjoying everything that Royal Caribbean makes famous. And listen, I think one of the cool things, if you haven't been on a cruise in a long time, I think one of the things that you might discover that you really enjoy right now is the way the dining experience has been kind of, I, w- I would say, upgraded and uh, just really plussed in, in recent years because uh, these Royal Caribbean cruise ships have so many more specialty restaurants than maybe if it's been a while since you've cruised, maybe you don't realize how many different specialty restaurants are on board. For instance, we were on Independence of the Seas uh, back in April, and you're talking about a sports bar, Playmakers Sports Bar with all the great games on. That's the kind of thing that years ago you wouldn't really seen on a cruise ship, but now you have that on the Royal Caribbean cruise ships. Every one of the Royal Caribbean cruise ships has a chops grill. This is like a prime steakhouse, the kind of thing that you would eat in a big city. Yeah, it's right down the cruise ship for you. There's a Zumi, which is, uh, you know, one of those teppanyaki style uh, hibachi restaurants. You know, you have also the sushi you want, but you can have like the the great hibachi, you know, dinner and a show type thing going on. That's really fun there as well. There's even new concepts being introduced on Royal Caribbean cruise ships all the time. 
So in addition to like the famous kind of, you know, main dining room and the, the, the buffet that you kind of would expect to see on a cruise ship, you also have some incredible specialty restaurant options there as well. Uh, most of all the cruise ships have a Johnny Rockets. You know, you can get to the, the 50 style diner and enjoy the, the, the hamburger and the milkshakes and everything else. Sometimes I'll just walk by Johnny Rockets on the Royal Caribbean ship and just go grab myself a milkshake. So uh, fun stuff to do. Uh, your chance to be on a Royal Caribbean cruise ship as you do it. Our friends of the Cruise and Vacation Authority can help you get booked up on that. TCAVA.com. That's their website. Or you can call them 770-952-8300. That's 770-952-8300. All right. So our old colleague, Shehan Jayaraja, writing for CBSSports.com, has got a list of dark horse college football playoff teams for the upcoming season. And he kind of mentioned one for each league. Um, And the team that got the mention from the SEC was Arkansas. Now, that's kind of interesting. Obviously, most of us would probably not think of Arkansas as a playoff team for the upcoming season, although we are certainly respectful of what Sam Pittman has done there with the Hogs in his two years there on the job. But it's actually something else that Shahan uh, wrote about at CBSSports.com. It kind of got me thinking. Like, you know how, like, um, there's a meme kind of on the Internet right now. I don't know if you call this a meme. Maybe it's just a trend where, like, the, the joke about men will just sit around, like, naming old athletes and just kind of keep themselves entertained, old old sports players, you know, football players, basketball players, whatever else. Like, my version of that is I can just look at an upcoming college football schedule and just be as entertained as anything, just looking at team schedules. Like, have you looked at the Arkansas schedule? So the CBS rider kind of touts them as kind of a dark horse playoff team, but mentions, hey, be careful with that schedule. Oh my gosh, Arkansas' schedule at the beginning of the season, this is a joke. Let me read you their schedule here real quick. And this is just what I like doing this time of year. Just looking at like, because it's not, I mean, virtually everybody's going to play, you know, somebody good. In the SEC, you're going to play a lot of good teams. To me, it's not the fact that you play good teams. It's how they are clustered on your schedule that really matters. So this is the beginning of the year for Arkansas. Week one against Cincinnati. Cincinnati lost a lot, but they were in the college ball playoff a year ago. Week two, hosting Spencer Rattler in South Carolina. Not an easy game. Week three, it's kind of a week off against Missouri State. But then it's Texas A&M in week four, and that's going to be a knockdown drag out. A&M, obviously, a preseason top 10 team. And what's the reward for getting past Texas A&M? The week after that, Arkansas host Alabama. Now, you know, thus far they got a nice collection of home games, but nonetheless. So then the week after Alabama, they're at Mississippi State. Like this is the this is the schedule to begin the year. It's like one cupcake and like just an absolute murderer's row every game after that. And then after being at Mississippi State, guess what? They're on the road again. This time at BYU. Now, I have no idea how good BYU is going to be for the upcoming season. Couldn't even begin to guess. But it's still a road game and what is typically speaking a pretty tough place to play and, you know, a pretty decent plane flight from Fayetteville there to a BYU. Then they get a true off week. And after that, guess what? It's at Auburn. That's the schedule to like, that's like the first half of the season, slightly you know past the halfway mark of the season. That's what Sam Pittman has waiting for him at Arkansas here this season. So has Pittman done a great job in year one, year two? You better believe he has. Has he built Arkansas into a legitimate football team for this upcoming season? You better believe he has. But what I just read for you is the reason why the SEC still stands head and shoulder over the rest of college football. Even with all the stuff that Pittman has done to make 
the Arkansas program worthy of getting dark horse consideration for the college football playoff from a CBS Sports preseason article, even as well as they've performed to even be in that category, the schedule I just mentioned, they won't lose them all, but they could lose any of those games. They could lose any of those games. Some of those games they'll be, you know, uh, an underdog in, but none of the games I just mentioned, including road games at Mississippi State and Auburn, none of those are easy games. By the way, you know, very quietly, Auburn and Arkansas also hate each other right now, too. There's a lot of these kind of under-the-radar rivalries in the SEC where it's like like legitimate, like institutional hatred. Arkansas and Auburn do not like each other. So uh, road game, they are never uh, – Never an easy thing one way or another. Of course, the officials also have a tendency to work against Arkansas in those kinds of situations, too. Honesty compels me to admit. But the point here is that's what the SEC brings to the table. Teams like Arkansas, the schedule I just read is laughable because it is one tough grizzly bear of a game week after week after week. A update here on a story we've been following now for a while. You know the name Jordan Addison. That's the Blitnikoff winner wide receiver, most recently at Pitt until – I believe, this is my opinion, USC came meddling and tried to pry him out of the off-the-pit roster. And so Addison now in the transfer portal, although there are certainly plenty of, whether these are attempts to kind of throw a smokescreen around his eventual destination because they wanted to kind of downplay the idea of the uh, tampering, or he really is considering other places, there are reports that Jordan Addison has been in Austin visiting the University of Texas. So this is going to get pretty interesting. Um, obviously, a lot of folks have been left to wonder for the rumored gigantic Colin Coward was throwing out some sort of like seven figure type number for Addison. Like some people have been kind of left to wonder, well, where is this money even coming from at USC? Given the fact they don't even have a collective, like an NIL collective. We don't know that. Uh, but it certainly seems somebody's trying to work very hard to make you think that Addison's interested in more than just USC. And who knows? Maybe he really is. Maybe Texas really is a big factor here. It is worth pointing out that, you know, Texas, who was supposed to be a big player in the NIL world, for the most part thus far, just kind of has it. In fact, some players who've actually transferred off that roster uh, have said the other programs we'd think of as being smaller have actually had more of a built-out infrastructure than NIL than Texas has proven to have. It's just another example of that program being all hat, no cattle. That's a phrase they know very well in the state of Texas, and the Longhorns probably embody that better than anything in Texas probably could. So maybe they acquire Jordan Addison, and maybe they take a step towards changing that. One example of them actually having a little substance behind the uh, hype, we will see, but I'm not betting on that to occur. Uh, and then finally, there's this. I saw where, um, like, I guess there's a chance that Arch Manning, you know, might take a visit to Florida. Maybe he does. It'd be an unofficial visit. That's my understanding on this. Uh, one of the <laughs> graphics that I saw was, is like Arch Manning in Florida, whatever the headline was. It was like, uh, yeah, I might go see them. I might go see what they have going on. Like, that's kind of what we're left with in terms of, you know, kind of uh, hyping. <laughs> the florida gators recruiting efforts right now the fact that arch manning at least the quote that i saw said yeah i might go down there uh and like you know that gets turned into something i think it just goes to show you that thus far the impact that i think a lot of florida fans were hoping billy napier might have in the recruiting trail for the most part that's not really materializing now maybe it might and they're i guess you know they're kind of involved with a couple of elite prospects here for the 2023 class but thus far it is a very different category of recruit that florida's pursuing than the kind of teams that Florida hopes to be mentioned in the same sentence as. And listen, you know, Napier's going to have his chance to have a full recruiting cycle here. And as you get closer to December, you'll probably hear Florida's name kind of show up a little bit more of the lead prospects. 
but it's kind of funny how little of a connection to Manning kind of turns into a little bit of hype there around Gainesville. I thought it was kind of interesting. And so we'll make that cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. And weather's nice, y'all. It's a great time to be outside. Got a big pool party coming up on Saturday. Uh, A lot of folks hanging out in the backyard or the front porch, the patio, whatever else. Let me also say to you that if you're doing those things right now, a great accompaniment for you as you do that is the finished laundering. I've heard from so many of you online, you've tried the finished laundering. You have found out that it is every bit as good as that I have said that it is. I would never uh, you know, steer you wrong on something like this. I do truly believe this is a really fun new category of beverage and finished laundering, my favorite in this new category. It's a ready-to-drink cocktail. What does that mean? It means it's a mixed drink. It comes in a can, so a lot of folks probably think it's a beer, but it's not. It's a ready-to-drink cocktail. You like you know, uh, you know, gin and cranberry, you like, you know, uh, grapefruit and gin, you like things like that, those kinds of uh, mixed drinks. Well, that's what the finished long drink is. Literally, you get the blue can, that's, it's got the gin kick, it's got the grapefruit flavor, nice little citrusy accompaniment to go along with all of that tastes great. Cranberry in the same way. You want long drink zero, that's no carbs, it's no sugar. You want long drink strong, that's eight and a half percent alcohol by volume. That's a lot of fun. That's a party. Uh, in a can right there for sure that's what the long drink's all about for you so if you're at a golf course it's maybe there uh beverage stores bars all around the atlanta area across the state of georgia it's there as well if you go to the longdrink.com you can put in your zip code and find out where you can pick some up or maybe you can even get one of these like eight can variety packs which has two different cans of each of the four long drink varieties that's kind of fun there as well so you can try to decide which one you like best and share it with your neighbors and all kinds of good stuff like that uh trust me when i tell you it'll be very popular at your spring and summer parties if you show up toting some finished long drinks so make sure you do that and have a good time as you do all right let's uh wrap up with this here today this is a thing on our golden shoe i've been trying to get to now for a little while and we just hadn't had time to a lot of you saw the suit that jordan davis wore at the nfl draft the other day had a red stripe going across it that's only a bold fashion choice to be sure and pretty much everybody on social media made the same joke about that the the beer known as red stripe kind of laughing about that well credit to uh red stripe for kind of getting involved in all of this seeing the chatter that it existed about davis wearing the red stripe on his suit and what folks were saying about that they had a little bit of an offer out of jordan davis we'll make this our golden shoe winner for today and show you this here on the screen here for a moment so uh, for those of you who are watching on video but missed davis that was he that was his fashion choice for the draft and so red stripe says right back at you jordan davis if we can get ten thousand likes we'll consider doing this design it's jordan at least it's a facsimile of jordan davis's face on a red stripe beer uh so pretty funny stuff there i think it's also funny they don't really commit to anything they're just going to quote consider doing something but nonetheless they got a little bit of uh, attention for that nice to see a big brand uh giving a little love to a huge gay guy we'll give a golden shoe out for that and remind you every day we close the show by being gator haters because we believe a good georgia fan is a gator hater first and foremost so we love laughing at florida laughing about the fact that it's been 4,871 days since that poverty program has won a national championship and we believe 171 days from now georgia's going to beat florida again that's our gator hater countdown we do it every single day and we'll see you tomorrow here on dog nation daily presented by breda pest management and on the podcast i'm now for the rs andrews podcast cool down where you can turn to for your air conditioning heating plumbing and electric needs including getting the ac unit tuned back up to factory fresh specs rs andrews can help you do that uh interesting comment coming from buster on twitter who 
shares there's a guy named dave bartu he's like one of these college analytics type guys and i guess he's got his ranking of top coordinators and he said that um uh so so basically he said what buster says is in the list that dave bartu put together he's overlooking todd munkin and i do think that's probably pretty common i think that a lot of people are not fully considering how well munkin has performed at georgia the success the georgia defense just overshadowed the fact that last year was a very good year for georgia offensively better than it's typically been in fact probably better than it has been like let's look at just scoring alone right Uh, i think i think that when you can keep things simple scoring you know makes some sense to do so last year georgia's average 38.6 points per game that was good enough for third best in the sec only about a point per game less than alabama but but still third best in the sec at 38.6 2020 uh year a one of Todd Munkin, they were at 32.3 points per game. That's fifth best in the SEC, but it's also coming against an SEC only schedule. So, a uh, big jump from 2021 to 2020, but 2020 was a big jump from 2019 when Georgia um, averaged 30.8 points per game, was doing so after having scored 50 plus against Georgia Tech and uh, what Murray State and Arkansas State. They were, you know, they beat up on a bunch of like lesser you know non-conference foes to even get to that number uh that that georgia actually had the highest per game scoring average in the smart era in 2021 besting what it put together um when it uh you know in 2018 when it averaged 37.9 points per game and going back to um the sec championship year in 2017 when it averaged 35 like this was the best per game scoring average for georgia under kirby smart this past year happening under todd munkin it also happened in the shadow of the great performance defensively but georgia by any statistical measure was truly a great offense was it the very best in college football no it wasn't uh was it the best complement of offense and defense it clearly was that's why it won the national championship so if you isolate just the georgia offense and the work that munkin has done in two years I mean, the track record of success clearly speaks for itself. Now, does that continue into year three? Does Georgia take another leap forward? You know, we'll have to see about that. I think there's reason to suggest that it might, but you can't deny what the last couple of years have been. And I guess the thing you take some comfort in here is that while media types and analytics types and, you know, average fan outside the bubble of dog nation, while they don't always seem to notice this, I think top recruits clearly do. Arch Manning maybe in particular. Manning clearly has his eye on what Munkin is doing at Georgia. And as long as guys like that are paying attention, whatever media guy who seems to ignore it probably doesn't matter all that much. Good comments. Thanks for being here for our podcast Cool Down here today. Of course, check out RS Andrews online for your air conditioning, heating, plumbing, and electric needs. And you can check them out online at rsandrews.com. And we'll see you tomorrow for Dog Nation Daily, presented by Breda Pass Management. Look forward to talking to you then.